0: Hello and welcome to the Pirates fan forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Gary Morgan. And uh, with me, as always, is my good friend, Jim Stam. How you doing, brother? Doing
2: good, Gary. We got lots to talk about, dude. So let's, let's get into it.
0: I think, uh, we have to start with the elephant in the room. It's week old news at this point, but we haven't discussed O'Neill Cruz and all the injuries that have been going on with the Pirates. And I do think we've had as usual Jim, a good week to digest it before we bother talking about it. It seems to be like everything major that happens happens right after our show comes out <laughs> and then what? we get some time to think about it for a minute before we go go
2: off shooting half-cocked so it's it's a blessing and a curse kind of but yeah yeah
0: right so let's let's start you know and I don't want this to just be O'Neill Cruz woe is me I, I think first of all, we, we want this show to be a little bit more adult than that. So <laughs> sure. Um, O'Neill Cruz goes down. Mike Burroughs goes down in all likelihood, probably having Tommy John surgery. We don't know that yet for sure. We do know that JT Brewbaker had it. Um, first of all, Jim, that's three pretty big pieces that I think all oh, were going to play a role this year. So I don't think that uh, I don't think that you can just dismiss any one of them as super more important than the others. O'Neal Cruz, of course, has the most impact on the offense, but losing two arms that really and truly could have been part of your rotation by the end of the year—that really takes a hit out of the depth, doesn't it? I mean, let's talk about what all three of these injuries do to the outlook on the season. I already saw people wanting to adjust their, their forecasts. And I think maybe a lot of people didn't understand, like for me personally, when I picked 74 and when you pick even lower than that, we're factoring crap like this in, I mean, like I'm not saying that. Yeah. I'm not saying I I pictured these three guys getting injured,
2: but what do you say there, brother? Yeah, listen. It just sucks in general, just, you know, with the cruise situation. I'll start there. Just simply because he's somebody you can go out to the ballpark every night looking forward to seeing, you know, um, seeing what he's going to do. Because you, you never know what you might see from a guy like that. And the Pirates have, Pirate fans haven't had that since the Cuts days, right? When 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 Kutch was MVP caliber, well, you're talking truly special guys that can do things that you want to say you were there for, right? Sure. So, you know, long term he'll be fine. You know, um, it wasn't pretty. He'll come back. He'll be fine. And by the way, the guy knows how to slide. Can we please just stop with the, teach him how to slide. He knows it was a weird play. He got caught in an awkward situation. If you have, you has anyone ever watched him steal a base? He knows what he's doing. It was just a strange play. So I, 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 mean, I hate that part of it. If we want to get into that at all, there's a,
0: there's a little part of me that, well, let's go, let's backtrack a little bit. Okay. It was like a week ago. Maybe not. it was in Boston, really. He slides into third base and he's making something happen. It's reckless abandon. He gets kicked in the face, you know, um stayed in the game, ended up coming out right after you know he was done running the bases. everything checked out. He was fine. could have easily had a concussion there, Jim could have easily had lost an eye. He got a spike in the face, man. like yeah. does he know does he need to learn how to slide? No. But I think you see a lot of kids like they come up, especially when you're six seven. You're bigger than everybody else on that baseball field nine times out of ten who isn't pitching, right? You probably start to feel a little indestructible. Well, maybe he doesn't feel so indestructible right now. You know, um, yeah. there is a little bit of recklessness that I think maybe is going to have to kind of come out of his game, at least on the base paths.
2: No, I, I think that's totally fair. Um, yeah, you got to know when to do what you need to do and how to protect yourself and all that stuff. But but yeah, um, so I, I look at him like it just sucks for the fans this year. Now, the the Burroughs situation, even the Brubaker situation, that starts being more big picture, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, because now you need, like, now you you don't hope for Ortiz. You need Ortiz. Now you don't hope for Priester. Now you need Priester, you know, Um, because no matter what, those two guys are probably not coming back for a year and a half. You know, you're talking, like, next July, you're maybe starting to have conversations about these guys potentially, possibly coming back,
2: right? And, and, and you're talking a year and a half, maybe two to get them being back to themselves. Like they could be pitching in a year and a half in games. But even then, Gary, there's a feeling out process and feeling like your old self again. So right. you're talking two years yeah
0: it very well could be, so I mean, I guess overall pitching depth takes a big hit this year. Pitching depth takes a big hit next year too, because of it. you know, um, you're already talking about like this year two thirds or two fifths of your rotation are are one year contract guys that you're not uh-huh. looking to bring back. in fact, I'd be outright shocked if Vince Velasquez lasts you know to the trade deadline in the rotation.
2: Yeah. Um, Rich and let me let me say this too, just so we're clear. I don't know. I mean, we don't know for sure that that's exactly what's happening with Burroughs. It's just trending that way and looking that way. I don't want to give anybody the impression that for 100% certain that he's having the same surgery, but it doesn't look good.
0: Sure. And I, I mean, even Ben Sherrington at his uh, little press gaggle the other day said he's going to be out a long time. Right. Right. I'm just, yeah, I'm just, I,
2: Hey, you know how this works. I just, no. but the
0: scariest thing with this stuff is, is, you know, you fear they're going to pull a Jameson tie on, you know, you fear, you fear they're going to be like, okay, maybe rest can take care of this. And then, Six months later, they finally get around to deciding to go ahead and do the surgery. And then, boom, you've lost the guy for two full years instead of just one and a half, you know, or one. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not saying like you rush into surgery. That's not something that you do. If you think you can recover without it, you don't. In fact, JT Brubaker did this in 2019. He He recovered from what everybody thought was going to wind up being Tommy John. And he missed a considerable amount of time. But if you really think about it in the great scheme of things, he, he was more on track because he didn't have the surgery. Mm-hmm. They yeah, tried to you- do that with Max Kranich. Now here we are. You know, he's still in recovery this year. Probably not going to see him until August, if at
2: all. And as, mu- as much as they've done with Tommy John surgery and what guys come back from, it's still not anything you do unless you have to.
0: Right. Hey, let's take a quick break, come back. We will um, start trying to pick off some of the questions that have been piling in here and say hello to our friends a little bit. And then we'll, uh, we'll pick up from there with the cruise conversation and everything. stuff. Do go get the app. And while we're at it, make sure you click like, make sure you subscribe to this channel, the pirates channel under DK Pittsburgh sports. We want you to know everything that's going on. You're going to get live videos from Alex out of the locker room. You're going to get live snippets from the coach. You're going to get all kinds of, you're going to get the pirates pod to be named later. It'll be on here. It's, it's just really cool. Helps us out a lot. Make sure you do so. Um, let's get into a few of our comments here because a lot of people are talking, Dave wants to make sure we know that Cruz had injuries in the minor leagues as well. That is true. He did. Um, I don't think any of them were hiding related if you will. (laughs) So I'm not, I'm not too concerned about the injuries he had in, in the minor leagues. Those were more, um, kind of just happenstance, I would say. Uh, Let's see. What else we got here? John Gorman says, we'll get back to that one. I don't want to talk about the coach quite yet. Injuries are part of the season, after all, just not these big of names. Yeah, right. Um, Pittsburgh sports all the time is dead on here. It's weird to have that many big names go down. Like that, all at once. And I think for a team that, let's face it, Jim, they were only going to be so good if everything went right. <laughs> right. To have, so to have some things like immediately off the bat go that wrong, that's not great. And I see some people like Dave actually brought it up too here somewhere. He's a little worried about uh, Rowanzi because of all these injuries and his last outing, you know, cuz we're gunshine now. Every time somebody struggles, that's that's the first thing we're going to think is their forearms falling apart, right? Sure. So, I mean, from from what I saw and even heard from the coaching, sounded like just had a really bad night. I mean, he wasn't hitting his spots. He it looked like from. his velocity was fine. He just wasn't hitting anything.
2: Yeah, and it was from the get go and it just never got any better. And if they thought there was a hint a hint of something being wrong with Rowanzi, he'd have came out of that game. They're 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 not gonna mess around there. So I, I would just chalk it up to it was just one of those starts. Hey, everyone gets pounded every once in a while. Um I'm not worried about Rowanzi, not at all.
0: So obviously one of the first dominoes to fall was O'Neill Cruz um getting replaced by Mark Mathias and our buddy here, uh, Pittsburgh sports all the time says out of all the guys they could have called up from the minor leagues, you call up Mark Mathias really. And I'm not going to try to read it with his emphasis. I promise you there are better options. Um, I don't know about that. To be honest with you, uh, to compete the next obvious one, he's had a really hot start, but he's had hot triple A numbers. Plenty of times. And then mm-hmm. he comes up here and then it fizzles. Um, ben Charrington well, can actually address this a little bit though. He said um, he thought that with uh, the lefties they were facing and then the righties with reverse splits, they wanted the right-handed bat.
2: So. Yeah. I, look, Matthias is, is nothing sexy. I mean, he's, he's actually kind of hit a little bit in the, in, in, where, wherever he's gone. So I would just say, give him a, a little bit of a chance and i really think gary we have to start discerning about ability and potential is not readiness okay and I, I i i see that all the time on twitter and to be honest it drives me insane because now if if someone's clearly ready and they're manipulating him uh, okay I will go, I will buy that. But we can't, you can't assume that just because someone has the potential in the ceiling that they are ready to put him in those situations, whoever we're talking about. And I just see it all the time. There's other
0: aspects of it too. Like when you're calling up players that, that I think a lot of people like to just glaze over. And one of them really is what's the opportunity look like up here? I mean, if a guy's just going to sit on the bench, there are certain players they will not do that with. You know, it's not going to do them any good. It's not going to do the team any good. So yep. I think I think in many ways, Mark Mathias being here is more about the amount of opportunity they really think they're going to give the guy. Um, yeah. I think the handedness had something to do with it. And I think to, to Peter Marcano, he He's a guy in particular, listen, major leagues have been pissing with that guy for three years now. I mean, like we're to the point where like, is he a quad a player or is he going to make it? I mean, that's, that's sure. where he's at. So I think at, at this point, I, maybe I want to see an extended triple a good stretch from him before he comes up.
2: Yeah. And, and look, I think. A lot of people are moving past the Marconos of the world. They're like Nick Gonzalez. I mean, Nick Gonzalez just isn't ready. He's just not ready. Okay, his ceiling's very high. He's a first round draft pick. He has a lot of ability. If you're paying attention to Nick Gonzalez, Gary, he's not ready. You can't and and, and you're just and if he's not and on top of it, he's not gonna play every day and he wouldn't. Then it's not it's it doesn't make sense right now. Well, the scary thing
0: is, and this is the part that nobody ever wants to admit. I mean, Nick Gonzalez was the number one pick. That's why you know his name. If he wasn't the number one pick, you wouldn't have him as high on your pecking order as you do. He, he's his K rate needs to come down. He's got a real problem with that, and and the scary thing is when you get to the double AA, A triple A level. And you're sitting around 35% for K rate or 30% somewhere in there. You're really only going to adjust that up or down 5%. I don't care who's coaching you. Honestly, I don't. I don't care if somebody reanimates Ted Williams and has him come out and teach him <laughs> how to hit. It, it's, it's not going to change that much.
2: It's a when, big red flag, man. It really is. Well,
0: it doesn't mean he, he'll be un, unsuccessful. He walks no. He walks enough to cancel it out. He has good enough power. He can still be a successful major league baseball player, but when you're sitting there staring down the barrel at 35% K rate, that's not something you want to just pull up to major leagues like it's going to be okay. It's not. He's going to get I, abused on sliders. I was you just guys saying. watch Brian Hayes and you freak out about the way he looks at the plate against those sliders. All I'm saying is Really and truly, watch more than just the clips of Nick Gonzalez hitting a home run that you see on Twitter, and you'll understand exactly why he's not here. It it you
2: know, he mashes fastballs, great, great. How many fastballs does O'Neill Cruz see right now? How many fastballs do you think that they're going to throw in Nick Gonzalez? I just like like we we just. Like you said, you have to pay attention more than just some some sexy clips. You have to.
0: Right. I mean, like, you know, and not to backtrack, but like Jim, that's that's one of the things that I think annoys me most about Twitter is people people think like, you know, you're you're trying to start Twitter wars with people when you get upset about some of these projections or some of the misleading data that they like to put out, you know, <laughs> like sure. It, it's not that. It's that I don't want your heads filled with
2: crap. Right. Yeah. You're just trying to keep, you're just trying to keep people grounded. I mean, I just don't want you
0: thinking like everything he's doing is great. And the pirates are so messed up in the head that they don't want him up here.
2: Or somehow that you don't like Nick Gonzalez. I happen to like Nick Gonzalez, but, but we're not doing what we set out to do. If we just jump on board and go, hey, everything's great. Yep, he should be here. I mean that that that's not how, that's not how we're gonna do it. Yeah, and, you might and, like us more, but,
0: like, <laughs> right. but I, I mean, I'm just I'm not gonna do it. Like, I'm sorry, it's just not in my DNA to to do that. I and it doesn't mean I have to be negative about everything. I can tell you right now, I I, I look at Anthony Solimedo, I see every bit an ace pitcher working his way through the system he's way far away i would never make that kind of declaration right now but that's what i see in my head there's a reason that i don't say it (laughs) because i (laughs) want to i I need to see it progress right you know i mean like you 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 can't just decide guys in in single a or are the b's knees it just doesn't work that
2: way and you can't make a decision on based on who you bring up based on who sucks it for the pirates right now they're 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 separate they're separate entities they are not making any decisions i don't know how many times i can say that (laughs) they are not making any decisions based on if the guy sucks in the majors is he ready or is he not is he ready or is he not
0: here's another guy is he ready even ortiz john gorman says I want to see him up in the majors, but he clearly isn't ready yet. We need to see consistency and progression. I totally agree with this, John. I really do. I don't think he's ready to be a starting pitcher in the major leagues yet. I think he could have a bullpen role if they chose to go that route. Lots of teams do that. Lots of teams bring their starting prospects up and get them implemented into the bullpen, get them used to seeing major league pitching. And then when it comes time for them to have a shot at the rotation, they're kind of already through that part of their progression where they've worked through major league uh, hitters. They've worked with a, a professional catcher at this level. They understand what's going to happen to them from their bullpen role, and it, it tends to ease that transition. Pirates don't seem interested in that. The Pirates want guys to be a starter, come up as a starter, work as a starter. I get that. There's two sides to that coin. Different teams do it different ways.
2: Ortiz needs that third pitch. Well, and and Gary, if we were sitting on an embarrassment of top-end starting pitchers in the mi- in the minors, like just I mean, we're just flush with it, right? Yeah, you might change your mind on Ortiz. I think they need him. They need him in a starting ro- in, the, in a starting role, and they want to see him progress. Yeah. So I, I, you know, again, you've got to look at things the big picture. They really need. We just talked about Burroughs. They really need Priester and they really need Ortiz. Like the, the, these are the guys they need to really develop. So, you know, it's it's situational too. It
0: is. And and I think the other thing, the, the reason that I kind of like sighed at the beginning when we were talking about Ortiz, because these injuries to Brubaker and Burroughs, like we, we said at the outset, well, now you have to have Ortiz. They may very well have to have Ortiz. They may very well have to bring him up, regardless of whether that third pitch comes along or not. And if you think about it, the success he had last year, it's possible he could have a little bit more of that right now as is. I'm not discounting that. I just think the long term, if he doesn't develop that third pitch, he's not going to stick. That's all. That doesn't mean that he might not be the best option to call up this year. It may very well work out that way. I'd prefer it not, <laughs> but yeah, you're not going to live with Velasquez in the rotation all season long. Um If you've got Ortiz down there, killing triple a lineups and if nothing else you need to get him up here to teach him that that third pitch is important because yeah it, he may not learn it at triple a
2: no it, they'll, there's still a case to be made to bring him up at some point but you know he had a little bit of a mental meltdown the other day in a triple a start um so there's some there's some learning that needs to go on there still. I, I'm not opposed to bringing them up at some point, but let's be honest. This season, we want them to compete. We want them to be better. But it's not going to change how they do things and, and how they viewed this season. It, it's just not. Well,
0: not at this juncture anyway. Like, if they overachieve, Jim, and they're in some kind of a perceived race for something, Let's say they're six games off of a wild card or something come, come July. I then think you'll, I think you'll see them do some things. If you know what I mean,
2: uh-huh.
0: um, if for nothing else, just to build some credibility, but it is what it is. I, I just think Ortiz is a guy that in particular, they might have to turn their nose up and kind of plug their nose a little bit and say, Okay. This guy is in AAA. He's not seeing the need for that third pitch because nobody's challenging his two main offerings. Let's bring him up and show him why he needs it. It may be that. It may be out of necessity. But either way, the kid's worked himself
2: into first call up status by default at this oh, point.
0: Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. Osvaldo Beto is another guy they have in AAA that nobody ever talks about. Looked good in spring. Saw a couple outings from him. I thought he looked good. Uh, he has one of the few guys that has a full season of AAA under his belt. So you could see him get a shot, too, at some point, I would imagine. And uh, aside from that, you're looking at, like,
2: Nicholas, really. It, to- it, it reminds you, too, like- <laughs> I think I think most fans are aware of this, but like when you're trying to do it this way it's a precarious situation you know like it it only takes a few things to go wrong with arms and things get dicey pretty quick um, and I mean in this year and the next few years so let's 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 hope. Let's hope we're not having any more elbow discussions for a long time, Gary, a long time. <laughs> Very true, my friend. Now, I will say, you know, on the positive
0: side of things, we've seen, you know, I think Oviedo has started to to show good here a little bit. Um, yeah. Love his stuff. We've loved this stuff all along. We also watched him walk a conga line of five straight batters once at, at the ballpark. And I'll tell you what. You never sucked down a mango faster than that, my friend. I mean,
2: <laughs> we got an up—we got an up close personal look at when Oviedo is uh, is not throwing strikes. Let's just yeah. let's just leave it at that.
0: Chris was like, "You guys want us want me to go get a beer?" We're like, "No, we'll go get it."
2: <laughs> it's like, <laughs> but but you know what? He looked so good the other night. Like like a lot of bad has happened, and we've kind of focused on that. But like Oviedo, you know, it kind of scares me that he wasn't like an in for the rotation at the beginning of the year. Like something had to happen for that to be a a solidified thing. Yeah, you know, I'm like, I would have had him in it, and, and so I, it's it, you know, look, he could still fall apart and whatever. But I, I like his stuff, Gary. I I do. I. I would have had a minute too,
0: but you know I understand you want to keep your promise. Almost like the recruiting trail in college football. Okay, if you promise a guy he's going to get a shot, you got to give him a
2: shot because all the other recruits are watching. Hey, you get that big transfer in there, uh huh? That Keaton Slovis. Yeah, he' going to play, and you're playing him because you won't get Jerkovic maybe next time you know, like, so exactly. There's some of that.
0: I think there's a little bit of that involved. Okay. For uh, there's that. And I, and I do believe there is a little bit of a growing reputation with Oscar Marin, you know, who we've been very critical of in the past, but I think we both lightened up on him because he's earned it. To be honest with you, he's got a growing reputation for, for helping guys. Yeah. And and I think uh there's a legitimate want to see if he can help him. Now Vince Velasquez to me, 30 year old guy. He has four pitches. He needs all four of them to be successful in any given at bat. When you have a starting pitcher like that, you you're only gonna be good for nine outs. You know, he's a one guy through the order, one one trip through the order type guy. That's not a starter. He's a bullpen arm. He's always been a bullpen arm. That's where he belong. I think the plan was probably to start out with Oviedo and have the whole thing shift, you know? Mm-hmm. Maybe almost plan on him being Vince's backup, if you will, and then eventually let it flip-flop, you know? Sure. Like, oh, if it's okay for Johan, it's okay for you, Vince, right? And then just eventually he just takes it over. I think that was probably the plan coming in, and the JT Brubaker injury ruined that. It,
2: it, it certainly could have been. I will say when I watch Velasquez, I've never seen a guy miss the glove more than he does constantly. You know, And I, I haven't watched him before this year, so I don't know. But when you can't hit your spots even remotely consistently, like you said, you can get away with that maybe through a lineup one time. Yeah. But, boy, you don't want to let a guy like that go through lineups two three times, especially good lineups. It's only a matter of time, man. Absolutely, my friend.
0: So, I mean, I was a little bit uh, dejected about the, the O'Neill Cruz injury, but I think I'm probably more long-term concerned about the pitching injuries. That, to me, um, is probably what will impact next year more. And that's kind of been my primary concern is next year. Uh, it's not that I don't care about this year. It's just I, I felt like this year had a ceiling. Well,
2: we knew what this was this year. I, I, I think that's fair to say. I think, of course, you want to try to compete and do as well as you can. But hey, look, Cruz wasn't, Cruz was hurt. But there's a difference between being hurt and then seriously, seriously injured where, you know, there's question marks. He should be fine. He should be fine.
0: He should be fine. And I think he showed a lot of the, uh, a lot of the things we wanted to see already in the first week or so. You know, a little more patient at the plate, taking a a little bit of a better approach. Um, I think it's probably sacrificed some of his power, to be honest. Not that he can't hit it out, Opposite field, just by flicking his wrist, but he's definitely not hunting home runs early on. He was hunting a good at bat, so you can say if that's good or bad, you know, on your own. But I, I do think that he he worked on the things they wanted him to work on. I felt yeah. like he matured a little bit over the winter. I'd well, also yeah. say he he's a guy that I'm not worried about him coming back and losing everything he learned. No I, I am.
2: It, <laughs> Yeah, and Gary, you touched on something. It's the willingness to adjust that should speak volumes to people watching. Because some guys they're right. not they're not gonna it, it's it's not gonna happen. They don't want to do it, they're not going to do it. So not only has he been open to adjusting, he's actually been pretty good at that too. And then things can circle back around to, you know, having more of your well rounded game, but he's doing what he he was taking what teams were giving him, I right. think it was hugely encouraging. Hugely encouraging.
0: Here's another comment from Randy about Velasquez: threw some really good movement pitches, but didn't hold up. We well, didn't hold up because he doesn't know where they're going, Randy. And that's yeah. He's truth. he's
2: got movement.
0: He's got movement. Yeah, great. Uh, that and that's fine. But the point is, he needs all four of those pitches that he throws, including those waste pitches that move like that. Because if he doesn't show all of that, he can't get the outs. Again, doesn't make him a bad pitcher. Makes him a bad starting pitcher. That that's all there is to it. And and again, I don't do a lot of hating on players. I don't. I think I think you don't you don't have a career as as lengthly as Vince Velasquez and suck. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, you, you have a, a career that long because you can get outs. It's just we're trying to use him in a, in a place where we probably shouldn't be trying to use
2: him. Well, that's all. I, yeah, I mean, like you can you can be frustrated, but they're asking him to do this. It's like batting Yoshi cleanup. I mean, like you know, like he he, he they're asking, they're telling him that, that that's what he's going to do. Like you can get mad at the player, but you're not in the position to succeed either. So you know. Jim we're going to talk
0: more about players here but we have some other important business to take care of we do we got to take a quick break which is going to be this time for those of you watching on video us just sitting here <laughs> for a couple seconds yes. but when we come back it's time to talk the real origin story of that home run sword which you were a witness to I believe I was alright let's take a quick one and we're back to the pirates fan forum here on dk pittsburgh sports podcast network again if you haven't already done so smash that like subscribe do all that stuff for us please um now we are fortunate enough to have made friends with the pirate queen banshee um last year sometime, right? I mean like <laughs> yeah. And uh she and her husband are very cool people. They they go to the games, they hang out down the left field line, you know, wave the flag, full pirate regalia. I mean, the camera loves them. Yeah, the camera's on them all the time. And you know, there's been some mischaracterizations of how this home run sword came to be. So I asked Pirate Queen to go ahead and record a quick and I, I said quick, she didn't take it as quick. <laughs> <So> <laughs> maybe, hey, maybe it was that was quick to her, Gary? It's all relative, but it's a good story. I'm going to play it for you now. Sit back and listen to it. There's some pretty pictures of the sword that are going to come up too. When it's over, Jim and I'll jump right back into the chat. and We'll start talking again.
1: Okay, so like we we're saying, I'm Pirate Queen Banshee.
0: And I'm Scribner.
1: And uh, we go to Pirates Games dressed as pirates. Uh, we sit in section 32 along the third baseline. Um, we are a couple. We are a, a married couple. We are, it's just us. We are not affiliated with any other groups. We are a crew of two. We are a crew of two. And that be us. So, the origin of the home run sword. I was supposed to work the day before the home opener. I knew that sometimes special events happen the day before Hoven Openers. So I wanted to see if I can get, uh, my shift switched so that I could. And Terry's not going to hear this, but shout out to Terry for switching shifts with me. You're a rock star. None of this would have been possible without you. Um, so after that, I found, uh, Gary actually had post, uh, tweeted about Allegheny Brewery. And I went on to Allegheny Brewery's Twitter Page, and that's how I found out about Keller Beer, and that Keller was going to be there to help promote it. So, of course, I'm, now we're going to go. Uh, so, we went down there, and we were talking uh, to, to Mitch, and a uh, very nice guy, by the way, very personable. Uh,
3: Boy, I'll tell you what, you spent five minutes with him, and you'd think you knew him for all your life, yeah. or, well, all of his life, I'm... yeah. How many years older than him? Yeah. So all of his life.
1: <laughs> um, very friendly guy. Can't sing his crazy enough. And at one point, uh, you know, he was saying like, Oh, yeah, we know who you guys are. You guys, you know, wave the flag down by, you know, the third base line. And, you know, and, I couldn't, I, my brain kind of malfunctioned when he said that. And I was like, and I said something like, no. And he was like, yeah. <laughs> He's like, we know you. We 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 love you. We know who you are. And I almost, and Scribner had to stop me from running out of the building. Um, <laughs> so then later on, I go back up to him and I go, I ask him, are you a man of culture? And he said, I'd like to think so. And I said, and I go, oh, well, do you like Legos? He said, I love Legos. So I showed him the, the little, this uh Lego pirate ship we made. And he really liked that. And he said, so you guys, since you guys dress as pirates, um, do you know where I could, you know, I could get a sword? And of course we do. So we were telling him about uh online stores, Pittsburgh rent fair, the Pennsylvania rent fair,
3: and in fairness, this is whenever I step back in and I hear Banshee go, what, like a real sword?
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> and he says, well, I don't want to cut O'Neill's neck celebrating a home run. So, y- you know, like not a real sword.
1: It's like, okay. Well, I said, you know what? You know, you can just have his sword. And I gestured to, to Scribner and you can see the wheels kind of turn in Keller's head and he didn't say anything. I said, you know what? Think about it. Uh, um, you know, we'll get back to you. So later on, I tweeted. I took pictures of the cutlass and I tweeted at him and I said, "Here's the cutlass we, or sword we were talking about. Um, it's ten years old. It has, in quotes, authentic battle damage, end quotes, meaning it's it's ten years old. It's been it's been through some fun times. So it's seen some it's seen some wear and tear." Um, speaking of wear and tear,
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, you know, we're we're getting ready to take the pictures of the sword. And I noticed like a crack in the foam. So we wrapped it in silver electrical tape.
1: You also throw it with liquid nails too. Yes.
3: I packed the crack with liquid nails before I wrapped it.
1: So I need a really good job because you can't even tell. That's great. Um, so I sent that to, I tweeted at him. He got back to me in my DMs and said, yo, that cutlass is awesome. And I said, I'm like, if you want it, it's yours. Um, we have to get a new one anyway. Um, you know, I would rather it go to you guys than anywhere else. Um, let us know what we can do on our end to get it to you. So we didn't hear back and, you know, it, it's home opener, lots going on. So I said, you know what? Let's take the sword with us and see what happens. Uh, and like the, like this whole story is bit, is a lot of Kismet a bit.
3: Yeah. You know, the, it's not so much the wheels of fate turning so yeah. much as it is the gears of fate meshing.
1: Yeah. So we bring the sword with us. At the very end of the game, it, since it's crowded, you know, Scrivener and I are standing down, you know, in our section along the third baseline. And we're just waiting for everyone to, to clear out. And, you know, and uh, Josh from Bridge to October came down with his family and Jim and Chris and Ben came down. And, and it was, we were, you know, just talking, having a good time. Um, Ben, uh, Josh left. Sorry, Josh. (laughs) Josh ended up leaving. He had to go. He was, he was summoned and, uh, we got, um, Ben, Ben Norris down there signing autographs. We got Ben to sign our flag and, uh, we were actually getting ready to leave with Jim and Chris and, and, and Ben to go eat. When I hear my husband yell,
3: now I don't have a very loud voice, as you've probably already noticed. But when I was I was shouting because I saw Mitch crossing the field, I said, "Mitch!" In my loudest he said, voice. Hey,
1: Mitch! And of course, Mitch is walking across the field with takeout containers, and he looks up and goes, "Hey, you guys!" And he comes running over, and he comes you know running over to us, and Scrimner goes, "We got your sword." And as Mitch is coming up, he just, his eyes are getting bigger because he's just watching, <laughs> he's watching you pull out the sword and he was just like, <gasps> like his eye, like like a kid on Christmas morning. Oh, eyes, he
3: totally he, picked it, up the pace. Oh yeah, yeah,
1: it was like, he was just like, wow! And so he, uh, Scrivener hands over the sword and Keller's, like you can actually see in the pictures that we put in prayer that he's just like, this is happening! So he goes, Yo, Betty, Betty, come here, which is Bednar. And he goes, here, put this in my locker. It's the home run sword. And Bednar's like, and Bednar, of course, as soon as he takes it, starts swinging around because, you know, it's a sword. So, of course, you're going to start swinging around. And so as Bednar Bednar is leaving with it, apparently, Go ahead. So, yeah, I said, oh, wait, 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 no. My no. husband, the ever Eagle Scout.
3: <laughs> hey, once an Eagle, I was an Eagle, right? So I said, no, oh, no, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. And I reach into my vest pocket and I pull out the roll of silver electrical tape. And I said, here, this is for future repairs. So, you know, I hand it to Mitch, who then passes it off to uh mm-hmm. Badnar saying again, Betty, put this in there, too.
1: Yeah. then he runs and then bednar runs off with the the sword and the the electric silver electrical tape and keller's like this is gonna be good this is gonna be awesome and later on that night keller uh dm'd me again and said and said this is gonna i'm i'm so excited you know and uh yeah that's that's what that's what happened and it was funny as um as soon as they came over uh chris was snapping pictures she was she was johnny on the spot with snapping pictures like she was uh, it was great um so it's great to share that with 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 Jim and and Chris
3: and of course Ben, who which you know he was having a great time. I think he thinks this is normal, huh? Yeah, Ben. Been
1: with Ben and yeah, and so yeah, um, that's how that happened. And
0: so there you have it. There's the real story of how the sword came to be, the home run sword that everybody is fawning over in that bullpen. It's good stuff. Fun story. Had to be told by her, couldn't couldn't do this myself and uh she couldn't make it because she has a job and had to work tonight. So <laughs> wanted to make sure it got out there and the record was set straight.
2: Yeah, dude. It was just it was a cool story. It was cool to be there and just see it kind of unfold. Um Bednar was there signing autographs for a long line of people anyway. And why why I say that is is because he spent a lot of time doing that. So like, you know, shouldn't surprise you, David Bednar, Pittsburgh guy, but he was there doing that. Of course, he jumped right on the sword and basically took it away. And um, yeah, so it was kind of super orga- super organic how it happened, and it was really cool to see. So and now it's a thing, man. Now it's a thing. Now it is a thing. And I'll
0: tell you what, man, did G Man Choi have some skills? With that sword? He looked like he'd handled one before. Yeah, it's not his first sword fight rodeo. I, I don't yeah, know. Must, I don't know. <laughs> it must not be. So let's knock out a couple more questions here. Uh, let's see. Justin, he's new to the show. Bring up Marcano and fire Matthias into the sun. Uh, boy, it's early for that. Um, I mean, the bring up Mar- Marcano thing, I can get behind, but I don't know if Mark Mathias has done anything good or bad enough to be fired anywhere, really. So I'll back off on that for right now. Seems a little extreme
2: to me. Yeah, you know, he's better than a lot of the guys that they've they've trotted out there in the past, I think. Now, here's a guy that we have to talk about, Jim.
0: Jack Swinski. Uh-huh. Finally got the home run stroke working a little bit. Here the other day, and he has been making better contact. He is walking more this year. Um, what do you think overall? I know he's taken a lot of heat. A lot of people are putting him in a direct competition with Travis Swaggerty. I'm not 100% sure that's how the Pirates see it. But if if Ben Sherrington's to be believed, and, and Travis Swaggerty being in AAA is really about playing time and opportunity and not rotting on the bench. Jack Swinski Jack would probably be his main competition,
2: right? Yeah.
0: So what do you think so far? I know you had an opportunity to pick his brain a little bit
2: too. Yeah, yeah. I got to, I got to uh, talk to him for uh, a short span um, at an autograph signing session. So um, everybody else is just wanting pictures and autographs, and I'm up there talking to him about his stamp. He did the so- same thing to Will Clark. So don't
0: don't, oh, think, don't think that he's just doing this to pirates players for the show or something.
2: Yeah, yeah. Don't let me near uh, uh, a player that I can talk to about actual <laughs> the actual game <laughs> to the point, Gary, where I was so hogging the time that. Ben didn't get a picture with Jack, and then we had to go back in, and uh, and Chris had to apologize for her husband, and then then Ben got the picture with Jack. So, anyways, but uh, yeah, so I talked to Jack, and I said, "Hey, man," I was like, "So I know you. I noticed you've got that open stance going," and I said, "Tell me the thought process behind it." I said, "Is it? Are you trying to?" you know, get a better look at the baseball Are you, you know, for longer periods of time, is it a lefty righty thing you thought it might help? He said that um, he said that it really comes down to in his normal stance, which was a normal stance. He did not have an open stance. He didn't have a closed stance. He just had a pretty normal stance. What he was ending up doing was ending up too closed off when he was um, by the time the pitch came in. So what he was trying to do, what they were trying to do is actually overcorrect for that so that when he is now standing with his stance open and now he comes in, he's not too closed off. So um, he said it has nothing to do with lefty righties, anything like that. It was just so he did not stand and get too close off. I asked him what did he feel comfortable with it how did he feel it was progressing? He said he felt like it was good. He said, you know, hey, look, it's an adjustment thing. I may have to get back to something else, but you know, right now he feels good with it. So that that's the story behind it.
0: Overall though, I think that it's a positive when you start seeing him take better approach at the plate. He is being more selective. I know that the balls aren't falling a lot. But I, I do think overall, you have to give him time. 20 home runs and a little over 300 at-bats is nothing to sneeze at. And yeah, uh, a and team put- that just lost potentially 25 to 30 home runs to injury really can't afford to do that.
2: No, and and um, he had a big, big two-run homer the other night. He had a real nice sack fly the other day that was huge in the game. Yep, yep. Um, so not only like... Showing some signs, but doing them in bigger spots. So, like, you got to let him work through this and see how it goes. And that's what they're doing. And he's put some better swings on the baseball. We're
0: starting to see some some better things out of G-Man Choi, too. Um, You know, he's never going to be an average hitter. But I do think in PNC Park in particular, he can be a power hitter. He really can. His swing plane will play there a lot better than it did at the trap. So I I, I kind of yeah. like what he's doing right now. Um, I understand why he's playing. I don't think he has any business being a middle of the order hitter. But then again, right now, who does? You know?
2: <laughs> yeah. There's um, just going to be times where that's where he's going to end up.
0: Yeah. Uh, Rodolfo Castro seems to have turned things around a little bit. Um. He's actually been on base all of his last four appearances, and um, starting to take some better swings, better looking swings. Um, still not as much from the left side as I'd like to see to really kind of call this solved, or at least like moving in the right direction. But um, much better, at least. Jiwan Bay has really kind of turned things around. I believe come a little bit more consistent. Looks like he's making adjustments. Something key that he did, Jim, and we'll probably have to wrap up here real soon, but something real key that I liked from him the other day was when he hit that walk-off home run, that wasn't just like, ah, I hit a home run. He was 0 for 4 going into that at bat and needed to make an adjustment to make sure that he made contact. There were two people on. He knew he needed to get at least – those runners advanced. He didn't want to, to strike out. He wanted to make sure he put the ball in play. And he dropped his leg kick just to make sure he made contact, end up walloping that ball. So maybe that's something he can kind of take moving forward. Maybe he doesn't need that leg kick. You know, I think a lot of Korean players come over with that leg kick, and a lot of them wind up realizing you can't catch up to an American fastball.
2: Yeah, it's it's basically taught throughout over there. Um, yeah. yeah, adjustments, right? There's that word again. And he had four awful at bats. He even mentioned it, I think, in the post game how he he didn't he, he hadn't played well. Or, yeah, he, he is something to that effect. He knew. And so to be able to deliver in that situation, and Gary, I think he might have gotten down in that count like one one and two. And hung around long enough to finally get a pitch he could do something with. And, you know, I mean, hey, you got to love it. It it was an awesome moment, too. Right.
0: Uh, Let's see. Justin he's a new Bucko fan. Um, God bless you, sir. (laughs) And uh, he was curious. Why did the Bucks let Vogelback go? Um, They traded him for Colin Holderman. Uh, pitching, pitching, pitching is really is really the key there. Uh, Colin Holderman profiled as back of the uh, bullpen guy. Um, he's young, controllable for five years, six years, I believe. Actually, when they picked him up, big arm. Yeah, Vogel back They were only going to have for this year, max, uh, if they chose to do it. And he was hitting better than he had ever really hit. <laughs> outside of his rookie year. Um, so there wasn't a whole lot of expectation that he would keep doing it. Um, kind of an oddity too. Uh, he's a real good on base guy, but he's not a guy you necessarily want on base. If you're trying to manufacture runs, if you know what I mean? Um, like even MLB thinks it's funny that he's slow. They put out that, that oh, ad, it's, you know, he thinks, it's, to, he thinks it's funny. Right. So, I mean, that's why it's an educated guess that the one and a half years that you were selling of Daniel Vogelbach aren't going to be as wor- worth as much as six years of Colin Holderman. We have yet to find out if that's accurate or not. I can say I personally really like Holderman. I think it was a good deal, pretty much straight up. And uh, I've certainly seen my fair share of baseball trades that weren't. So I think that was probably a good deal. Now, yeah, did it classic. make us suck worse last year? Yes,
2: but yeah, <laughs> and it's the classic case of just trying to sell high on on a small piece, which that's what Vogelbach was, you right. know. Um, so, and we've seen with the pitching, you can never have enough of it. And he he's he's got some rollability. Let's let's do one
0: more. Let's give this guy <laughs> here redemption because I kind of smacked him for saying that Matthias should just be fired into the sun. So he he's correcting himself. He was being dramatic. I will ask though, in both of your opinions, what is the necessary sample size for people like Jack Matthias Castro before exploring other options? Great question. Entirely reasonable to ask. Um, I wish there was a, a formulaic answer I could give you like, this is enough for this guy. Jack, to be honest got more opportunity last year than I think is reasonably expected. But in that opportunity, he managed to pop 19 home runs. That's something in, in today's game you just cannot ignore. You cannot ignore that many home runs in 300 summit bats. Because if you exponentially move that out to 500 at bats, that's what, 25, 26, 27, depending on how many opportunities he gets. You, you can't throw that away. So he's going to get an extended look again this year because of that power potential. Rodolfo Castro, same kind of guy, 2025 home run potential. And if you X about his numbers, he looks like a 2025 guy. Um, as far as Matthias goes, we just different, got him. Who Different knows?
2: category, different category of player too, yeah. as far as in their careers.
0: He's got power potential too, but he hasn't done it here. He hasn't done it in the majors. That's the difference. Castro, Sawinski, they've done it in the majors. Anything done in the majors trumps anything done in the minors. So, in other words, I don't really care that Mason Martin can hit 30 home runs in double A. I do care that Jack can hit 30 in major leagues. Do you get what I mean?
2: And I think think Matthias now, I think he's 27. So, like, I I might be wrong there. I thought I saw that. Um, I think they're just viewed as different types of players and what you're hoping to maybe see or get out of them. I don't think they're expecting a Matthias to be anybody that takes a a starting job by the reins and never lets it go.
0: He's a guy like um well he's he's a very much so utility
2: guy. Yeah, that and that's what you're hoping to get out of him.
0: But your top end hope for him is that he's Josh Harrison.
2: Right. Your top Actually, end
0: Gary hope- he's 28. Sure. But your top end hope for Castro is that he's Bobby Bonilla. You get what I mean? Like, there's the difference. It's one can actually do something at a top end, high level, major league baseball would consider you a star. One can maybe top out at, okay, you, you maybe earn an all-star appearance once, but you're probably just really an also ran. That's the difference. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, he'll be 29 in August, actually. So totally, different. <laughs> totally different on the priority list, um, right. both for him professionally and how the pirates would view him.
0: Right. And so this has been great. Loved everybody's participation this week. Sorry we didn't get to more of them, but I had some kind of pre-planned stuff we had to work in there. Uh, wanted to make sure that the Queen's message got out there. And Jim, anything else you got to add this week, brother? Or are we just looking forward to St. Louis and hoping that we can take some from them.
2: Yeah, you know, my sister lives in St. Louis. She always beats me up about the Cardinals, as if it's not bad enough with the Cardinals. So let's hope for a decent series. Hopefully, they can compete, and uh, let's 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 calm let's calm it on the bad vibes. Uh, no more injuries, man. Let's just you know, come <laughs> yeah, on. Let's out. hope no more injuries.
0: I will say, you know, going into St. Louis, they can hit. They haven't pitched so far. If you look at who they played to open the season, that might not be true. (laughs) Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Um, Hey, thanks for everybody for the comments and we'll get to more of them next week. Yeah, for sure. We will. Um, So, Hey, for the audio, Ben, take it away for everybody else. See you next week. This was fun. Let's do it again.
3: Yes, you're right.